This week, a blue keep freakout, which had little effect or impact on the rate of patching. Experts warn in our throwback story of a TCP distributed denial of service attack that's using uh, reflection, which is interesting, uh, targeting Amazon and others. NVIDIA is patching their graphics products under the GeForce brand, including their update tool. And hackers breach Zone Alarm. Remember Zone Alarm? Their forum site. And also how Apple is to fix a Siri bug that exposed parts of encrypted emails. In expert commentary, we welcome Dan DeClos. He's the founder and CEO of PlexTrack to talk about the latest breaches and the importance of penetration testing reports. All that and more on this episode of Hack Naked News. This is Security Weekly. For security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show that brings you the security news each week. And despite popular belief, we do wear pants. It's Hack Naked News. Let the team at Black Hills Information Security test your defenses. With over 10 years of experience in penetration testing, red teaming, and threat hunting, the testers at Black Hills will help you find the holes in your security before the bad guys do. The team at Black Hills cares about educating and sharing their knowledge by creating countless blogs, open source tools, and webcasts for you to learn more about the tradecraft of pen testing and red teaming. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash BHIS to join their mailing list and view the latest blogs and webcasts from Black Hills Information Security. Oh, hey, are we back? Sorry, I was adjusting the brightness on my screen. Hey, welcome to Hack Naked News, episode number 241 for November 12th, 2019. Usually the crew doesn't catch me off guard. That time they did. I'm, of course, your host, Paul Asadorian. Quick announcement, register for one of our upcoming webcasts. Lots of fun ones coming up with ServiceNow, Great Horn, and Core Security. Of course, you can get uh, CPE credits for all of those one CPE credit per webcast go to securityweekly.com click the webcast drop down menu where you can register for upcoming ones or check out the ones in our on-demand archive and now the security news for this week apple is fixing a siri bug that exposed parts of encrypted emails you know for a better user experience uh apple stores some of your emails in clear text How did we get from user experience to clear text emails? Well, Apple IT specialist Bob Gendler was tinkering around in macOS operating system to understand more about how Apple personalizes Siri for each user. During the process, he found that the operating system was storing portions of user emails in plain text, even when they were supposed to be encrypted. According to Gendler's Medium post revealing the issue, Apple uses a system process called Suggested D. Apple explains as part of a help file in the system in the underlying BSD OS that the program which runs constantly slurps content from various apps. These include Spotlight, the macOS indexing system, Mail, and Messages, and then stores that data in clear text in order to make suggestions for you. And even though that email may have been encrypted, the background process reads it in clear text. Oops, they are working on fixing that issue. Hackers have breached Zone Alarm's forum site with outdated vBulletin software to blame. I had no idea people still used this software. Well, Zone Alarm, maybe maybe even vBulletin, because there's things like Slack. And forums usually have a history of getting hacked. But apparently Zone Alarm, which is, of course, now a checkpoint company, has over 100 million users. 
They forgot to patch a forum that had 4,500 users. Uh, the article states that upon reaching out to the company, Checkpoint, a spokesperson confirmed with the Hacker News that broke the story that the attackers exploited a known critical remote code execution vulnerability, CVE 2019-16759, in the vBulletin forum software to compromise Zone Alarm's website and gain unauthorized access. For those unaware, this flaw affected vBulletin versions 5.00 up to the latest 5.5.4, for which the project maintainers later released a patch and updates, but only for more recent versions in the 5.52, 5.53, and 5.54. So kind of uh, interesting and a little bit embarrassing, but you know, it's, you know, it happens. Uh, Blue Keep Freakout had little to no impact on the rate of patching, which is really important in this article. And over the last week or so, researchers have spotted, of course, exploits for Blue Keep that were being sent to their honeypot systems. These attacks uh, were the uh, attempts aimed at infecting machines with crypto coin mining software and led to a series of media reports urging users to patch their machines now that a Blue Keep exploit has arrived. However, according to my teleprompter dying, apparently. According to the Sands Institute, uh, they track this particular activity and have basically said that it hasn't motivated people to patch. They're urging uh, users to patch, but the rate of patching has pretty much stayed the same, uh, which is slowly on the, the decline of the number of vulnerable servers, but not at any faster rate. Um, so if you have Bluekeep out there, or you just maybe want to go check your IP address space range on Shodan, because that's what the Sands Institute is doing. It uh, probably is a good idea. In old school stuff right here, experts warned of a spike in TCP DDoS reflection attacks targeting Amazon, SoftLayer, and other telco infrastructure. This means the recent attackers used a rapid rate of falsified SYN packets to a wide range of the IPv4 address space with spoofed sources originating from either bots or servers hosted on subnets and by providers that do not implement BCP38, which is basic egress filtering, right, that we all know and love, that prevents IP source address spoofing uh, on networks, which I thought by now would be pretty standard and learned about this in like 1999 when I took my first SANS course. Uh, apparently not everyone. So they uh, actually say the spoof source in these attacks were the entire ranges of the intended targets, which resulted in targeted reflectors transmitting SYNAC packets in a carpet bomb attack. Um, and those were providers that didn't implement the egress filtering. So, you know, throwback to more than 20 years ago when uh, this attack was discovered. Uh, hosting provider SmarterASP.net is recovering from a ransomware attack. Um, uh, operating since 1999, SmarterASP.net has data centers in the United States and Europe serving over 440,000 customers worldwide. On Saturday, however, the company fell victim to a ransomware attack that resulted in customers' data being encrypted. Impacted customers reported that even the hosting provider's website was inaccessible in the beginning stages of this attack. However, after the site was restored, the control panel couldn't be open. Apparently, SmarterASP.net failed to inform some customers of this incident right away. Um, of course, I mean, they're dealing with an incident and communication is paramount, but you're also dealing with an incident uh, at that time. Uh, the company did say it suffered from a major, major outage on its website, but didn't provide additional information. It, here's the, the trick to all of this. You have to be transparent and 
and able to communicate clearly and effectively when you have a breach and you're trying to talk to your customers and or partners. As a result of some of these customers' experience with this, they're leaving SmarterASP.net for other providers. Now, it's not to say that the other providers aren't going to have incidents. Of course, I think some people leaving are probably just out of frustration um, and they're thinking that there might be better security at another provider when in fact that other provider may just have better ways of responding to incidents and communicating things clearly and efficiently. So, uh, you know, I guess if the moral of the story is if you can't be more secure, be better at incident response and communication, that didn't come out the way I intended. But in any case, that's the story. Uh, NVIDIA patches graphics products and GeForce experience update tool. Um, the three with the highest severity are CVE 2019, all CVE 2019, 5690, 5691, and 5692. They are kernel mode flaws in the NVIDIA Windows GPU, GPU display driver, which could be exploited to cause a crash or escalation of privileges on Windows systems. Uh, the GeForce Experience application has two flaws of its own, 5701 and 5689, um, which it says it shares with some of the other uh, driver vulnerabilities. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, the 5695 is shared with a Windows driver vulnerability, um, but 5701 and 5689 are specific to the update software. So not only do the drivers have vulnerabilities, but the update software has vulnerabilities as well. And you should pay attention to these, uh, even if you have a major enterprise, because you could have some GeForce hardware laying around out there, and this is a nice place for attackers to hide. That's the news for this week. We'll take a short break and come back with my good friend Dan from PlexTrack. Stay tuned. Make sure your team is prepared to fight off the latest cybersecurity threat. IT Pro TV is the resource to keep you and your IT team skills up to date. You can stream IT Pro TV courses live and on demand, so there's no need to send staff to off-site training. Team subscriptions include Pro Portal, so managers have full control over your team's training schedule. Go to itpro.tv/hack-naked and use the code HN30 to try it free for 7 days and receive 30% off your monthly membership. The question is simple. Have any of the systems on my network been compromised? The answer is harder than it should be. Enter AI Hunter. Active Countermeasures has automated and streamlined techniques used by the best pen testers and threat hunters in the industry to create AI Hunter, a network threat hunting solution that does the first pass of a hunt for you to identify systems that are most likely to be compromised and scores the results on a scale from 0 to 100. You can then research those systems in depth with AI Hunter. Focus your valuable time on the systems that need your expertise with AI Hunter. Sign up for a personal demo today at securityweekly.com forward slash ACM. Welcome back everyone to Hack Naked News. Dan DeClaus is with me from Plex Track even. Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks Paul. Hey, thanks for having me. Yes, nice to have you on the show, Dan. Um, in, in, to relate this to some of the news, you know, the vBullet and vulnerability, it strikes me as something that as a pen tester, I might have reported on a, uh, a pen test report, maybe even, you know, compromised that system, but really didn't do a whole lot with it because I needed to move on to other parts of the infrastructure. And it kind of got faded away in the pen test report and no one paid attention to it uh, as just an example, right? And that's the topic we're talking about today is how to make your pen test reports compelling, easy to read, easy to take action on, and really all of your work culminates in this report, right? 
Yeah, and I think it's important to note that, you know, some of the, like you said, some of those findings could get lost if, if they were in the midst of a, a series of more critical findings throughout the report where the customer or the end user takes those and starts to fix those first, but then kind of forgets about all the other ones that got reported or whatnot, or if it was just a vulnerability scan item that the report, uh, pen tester reports on, but doesn't rate it as high because they didn't go and exploit it. So it's still in the report, but it may get lost. And so are they actually tracking those and having a, an efficient way to remediate all the items in the report and being able to display all of them in a single spot, right? Yeah, and that, I mean, that's super important. It, it very well could have been on the list, right? For Checkpoint to fix, you know, likely they knew about it, um, but it just, it never bubbled up to the top or maybe it was buried uh, in a report somewhere. And the important thing is the, I think the impact, right? When you're a pen tester and you're writing up several different findings, everyone suffers from fatigue. If you don't have a tool like PlexTrack or some other tool to capture that, right? So you're writing up all these findings and you're like, yeah, by the way, there's a vulnerability maybe in your V bulletin, but you know, the impact is probably not that great. However, when some, an actual attacker, a real attacker, I shouldn't say real attacker, when uh, someone who doesn't have permission to attack your network, <laughs> attacks your network and finds that, right? Now you're in the press, we're talking about it on the show. Again, I don't fault really, I mean, you can play, you know, point fingers at checkpoint and all that stuff, but you know, everyone's got some type of vulnerability. And we're all working on fixing them, um, so I'm not blaming Checkpoint here. But it could have been a thing where the impact of this vulnerability in this particular area of the network was not uh, conveyed in the report, right? Because I have fatigue because I'm writing up all these vulnerabilities. However, I've got a central. If I only had software that gave me a central repository where I could have things like impact and be able to to match those to what I'm writing up. I think the impact of the report um, is uh, is better from the customer perspective to help prioritize, right? Yeah, and then and then being able to collaborate with the customer, right, on on what they think the impact is, because a pen tester may not necessarily have a good perspective of like how critical so true. this is to the organization, and mm -hmm. so being able to have a, a central location like FlexTrack where you can collaborate on those findings, you can escalate it, you know, and then. Uh, as as issues get closed out, the the ones that haven't been fixed start to bubble to the top, and then they can continue to say like, "Oh, you know what? We really need to go patch this." Yep. Although I, my uh, other kind of thinking is that this just wasn't in scope, you know, for a lot of testing that they had, and that's really <laughs> common too, right? Yeah. You know, it's like off on some other domain of a company they acquired years ago, right? So they're probably like, "Yeah, don't put that in scope. The other stuff's way more important, right?" But that's also something you need to put. In your report, I think you do OS int and say, you know, here's what you told us was out of scope and make sure that's in the report as well, which is also with the, a function of reporting. Yeah, I mean, being able to know uh, from an asset management perspective what, what you're supposed to be testing and what you're supposed to be protecting are two very important aspects on both sides of the fence from a pen test and being able to have a central spot saying, like, these were the rules of engagement, these were... Uh, what we were supposed to be testing. And oh, by the way, you know, as part of our just general external network scanning, <laughs> you know, we identified mm -hmm. Zone Alarm, <laughs> you know, having a, a, a VBulletin platform out there. So, um, you know, hopefully some of those things would get picked up when you're doing just kind of the, the general enumeration of the network from the external side, even if it wasn't in scope per se. But yeah, because I also think what plays into it too, and I'm not sure how many uh, folks are using your product for product security as well, right? I, a lot of times, Dan, I, you, we talk about you know a pen tester as like when we're primarily doing pen testing outside 
in kind of view, but you're also likely testing some products as well. And you flip over to the NVIDIA issue and the job of the pen tester, I think in a lot of uh, engagements, right, is to find as many paths, potential paths in, maybe not explore some of those paths in depth. That's usually reserved for future uh, testing with more mature organizations um, where the dwell time of the testers is much longer, right? But especially in uh, most pen tests, I would go on a limb and say, your job is to really find as many paths as you can, right? And you look at NVIDIA, you may have found some of those paths into the the driver, right? But you didn't fully kind of flesh out where those potentially could go, and there might have been a lag on fixing them. Again, all things in the report to make sure that no matter how deep you've gone into a particular vulnerability to report on the various conditions that you found and ones that may, you know, crop up in the future and also given the customer the ability to add context to that to continue an engagement, right? To re- redo the engagement or continue that relationship with the company. Right, exactly. And, and maybe maybe uh, a previous tester, I mean, I think we've all been in the case where a previous tester may have found something a little more interesting or had a different skill set for the person doing it the next time. And so being able to have that history uh, to go back to over time is also important, especially in product security, where uh, they may think that they have fixed something like a SQL injection or you know some other kind of patch, <clears throat> and then it pops up because some other code got merged in accidentally, mm-hmm. right? Um, so having that historical record is really important, uh, especially in the product security space where lots of things are changing quite frequently. Uh, so I think it also highlights the importance of continuous assessment and being able to track all of the assessments that you're doing on a, uh, on a regular basis to make sure that things aren't getting missed. Uh, and, and like, so like we mentioned that's interesting, Dan. Will it correlate for multiple teams? You know, kind of in our discussion, you've got a large infrastructure. Maybe you're engaged with in, in your internal team as well as external teams, as well as product teams. It, and does all that get merged in essentially to the centralized system? Yeah, you can do analytics um, based on whatever project you've selected. And so you start to get a, a bird's eye view of all the issues that you have uh, that are either aging, right? And so, uh, you know, somebody hasn't touched it or provided a status update in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you have a you have a centralized uh, look and real-time uh, posture uh, of, of, your, of your progress, right? And I'm assuming I can also export portions of a report to share, right? Do I have, like control on a field level what I share with each of the respective teams? Yeah, we can do that uh, a couple different ways. We can do that primarily um, in a in a custom template, right, where you would uh, export out a, re- a report, you know, mm-hmm. using your custom document. Um, and so that's nice on a couple different fronts, but you can basically have like an exec- executive summary template where it's like you're only going to insert certain uh, certain parts of the report where you might want a more detailed report or if you've, you've tagged findings, you can you can export things based on tags. Uh, so right. uh, there's, there's a lot of different ways we can do that. That's nice too, because I, I find uh, pen test teams and customers, right? Like you don't want to necessarily get a pen test from a company, get the full report. Then the next time you have a test, share that entire report out, right? With all of the information. Maybe you just want to say, I want you to focus on these vulnerabilities that... Um, we believe weren't fully explored in the previous test due to time limitations and just export those as the starting point maybe for the next test. Sure. Yeah, that would be great. <clears throat> um, it always helps to have, have I, as a tester, it's always nice to know like what was, what was explored before. And I don't yeah. consider it cheating. I consider it more like, okay, we're going we're gonna to look there. We made it a little deeper, but then is there anything else that might have gotten missed, right? 
Right. And it's not so much missing as much as it is, I think, just where you focused for that. You've got exactly. a limited amount of time, right? Right. Yeah. That's that's the downside of, of being on the good side. <laughs> the good team is that <laughs> your time is always limited and mm. and uh, the scope of the assessment, you know, they can only pay for so much. So, uh, you know, you're definitely constrained with time, whereas, you know, whereas a, a criminal has uh, as much time as they need. Right? And, and that's nice, too, from the perspective of you have an external test. Now your internal team can not just view that report, but treat it like a living, breathing application that they can interact with and continue to update to then maybe pass it back off to the external team the next time they do a test. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, and you have all the status tracking right there, any commentary that they might've said like, Hey, we tested this, it works. Can you retest? Uh, and then if it worked last year, <clears throat> what did they do last year? If it popped up in another, if another, in another spot, or if it pops up again in the same spot, Clearly, something went wrong with how they fixed it last time. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of capability for collaboration. You know, and it's interesting, Dan. I largely, when you first showed me the tool, I was like, "Wow!" When I was a pen tester, I'd love to have this because it saves the tester so much time, and you produce a more accurate and actionable report by ha- putting it in the system. But what it also does is makes the customers more efficient as well. Whereas if I just produce a document, right, I encrypt it and send it and they decrypt it. Now they're passing it around internally, electronically, pasting it into their internal systems. It saves the customer time too. Yeah, having a central spot to immediately start working on those results is really important. And that's how things get lost, right? It's like, hey, you know, this guy is going to be responsible for this section of the report. So we'll give him those findings. But but nobody's really coming back, bringing those all together and say like, hey, um, where are we at with all of this as, as a collective whole? Right. Uh, and then, you know, y- you have each year's pen test or each quarter's or however frequently you're doing it, you have them all in one spot, right. uh, which is really important. Right? It is. Like whose job was it to patch V-Bulletin? <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. I can, yeah. Having been in the department where we had external and I did internal pen testing, right? It was, it's easy to lose track of these, uh, of these results, even if you're trying to file tickets and cross-reference that, right? Your software yeah. makes it easier not to lose track of things, which is awesome. Yeah. Well, the nice thing too is that that may have shown up on a vulnerability scan from an internal side, and then if it shows up in a pen test from the external side, yep. you have one you have one place to track both of those issues, right? Yeah, no, that's awesome, very cool. Any product updates you wanted to share with us, uh, Dan? Um, yeah, well, we're actually improving our uh, assessments module. We've been getting a lot of requests for more uh, questionnaire-based assessments and being mm-hmm. able to track those. So, um, so we just released a way to actually. Uh, assign those to users and save save their progress, um, and so that helps a lot in the third party risk management as well. So, uh, just trying to continue to get a help the blue team get a holistic view of their security posture by you know being able to not only do the vulnerability management and the pen test reporting uh, if they have like an internal assessment team as well, but also um, manage some of those questionnaire based assessments, either self assessments or um, you know third party risk assessments. Yeah, and I like that too because that that helps focus, right? And oftentimes it is a an assessment assessment or a questionnaire that you're like, yeah, I know this particular thing or whatever is vulnerable, and we're seventy percent of the way done with the project, so hold off on that until next time, right? It lets you actually capture those things which are before were difficult to track. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're also excited too. We, you know, I think I mentioned it just a second ago, but we can tag everything now. We can tag clients and mm-hmm. reports and, and findings. Uh, soon we'll be tagging assets. We have an asset management piece coming out here shortly. Um, so that just helps on the analytics side, being able to slice and dice your data uh, a lot better uh, for both, you know, your progress and then, you know, where are we most risky? Right. Fantastic. 
Well, yeah. our listeners can find out more at securityweekly.com forward slash PlexTrack. That's P-L-E-X-T-R-A-C. PlexTrack. Check it out. It's uh, it's awesome. I wish I had that when I was pen tester. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, no, thanks. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dan. And with that, we'll conclude the show. That will conclude this episode of Hack Naked News. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. See you next time.